0: and hello recovery family! and welcome back to the unashamed recovery podcast i am one of your hosts josh i'm another host drew and i'm kind of like fungus the guy that just won't leave i'm palmer <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> gotta love palmer <laughs> <laughs> this is season four
0: episode 46 not the good time girl today we are looking at a true story believe it or not Everything you're going to hear in this episode is based on a true story. Today we are dealing with a a testimony. Today's episode verse is going to come from Psalm 147, and we will get to that a little bit later. But go ahead and mark that. Open up your Bible app. Mark that. Get ready. Because we're in for a, a treat for today's episode. And with that being said roll that intro. The Unashamed
2: Recovery Podcast The Unashamed Recovery Podcast with Josh and Drew starts
0: now. Here at Unashamed Recovery, we believe that there is healing in the story of our scars and that it is okay to not be okay. It is our mission to break the shame and stigma of addiction and recovery by sharing real stories of real addiction from real people in real recovery trying to do real sobriety. That's right. And today we are joined by one of those real people in real recovery. We're joined by somebody who is no stranger to the pit of addiction. Someone who is no stranger to the struggle of that is addiction. Our guest today is also no stranger to overcoming that struggle and overcoming that pit. Today, we are joined by our good friend, Sydney. Sydney, welcome to the Unashamed Recovery Podcast.
3: Thank you, Josh. I'm very happy to be here today. I'm excited to share my story with you guys. And if y'all are ready, we can go ahead and get started.
0: Well, every story has that beginning. Of it. Every story has that chapter one. What would chapter one be called in your story?
3: I think for the first chapter of my life that actually like led into the decisions that I've made would probably be called Growing Up Too Fast.
1: Mm. Growing mm. Up Too Fast. I like it. I believe a lot of people can relate to
0: that. Yeah. yeah. My
3: per- my life was like the perfect little cookie cutter Christian family to start with, but um, when I tell you guys my story and get started and everything, you'll kind of dive into that some more. But my dad, um, he played the piano at church every Sunday. He directed the choir and everything. He was a successful nurse. And then he started drinking and using prescription drugs um, that he was getting from being a nurse. And I really think that catapulted me into the growing up stage. It was just me, my mom, my sisters which are, my sisters are 8 and 10 years older than I am, so I grew up too fast before this happened, but this kind of, like, started the journey of being a grown-up as being a child.
0: Mm. So you're in that. What was your first, uh, let's see, how can I phrase that? What would be, what was your first kind of introduction into that life of being grown-up too fast?
3: I think it would be, since I am so much younger than my sisters, I started growing up and acting like a teenager as soon as I could walk. Mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to hang out with their friends. I wanted to wear their makeup. I wanted to be like them, I guess, in a way. So any child that has siblings that much older than them, I feel like they, as soon as they're coming into like being a toddler and things like that, they're wanting to be those people. They're wanting mm. to be older. They're wanting to make the older decisions. Like, I can remember when I was in, like, elementary school, and, you know, everybody has a bedtime when they're in elementary school, <laughs> things like that. I would be like, but why can't I stay up as late as them? Why don't they have to go to bed? And I just remember my mom always telling me, Sydney, they're a lot older than you. you you're you not ready for the things that they do, the things that they say, stuff like that. That's You're not ready for that. But I always felt like I was, like I always felt older than I was. And even like in high school and starting college and everything, I've never really had friends that were my age. I always hung out with the, the older people. Like when I was in the, a freshman in high school, my best friend was a senior, graduated high school. I've always had friends that were older than me. So that led me to make decisions at a young age that I was not ready for. Because the people that surrounded me in my life were older they were always older they were always making the older decisions so i felt like i needed to fit in and i needed to be able to do the same thing
0: so it was almost like you was never able to really just fully enjoy where you were at it right. was always
3: i don't ever really remember feeling like a kid mm. if that makes sense
2: would you yeah, tell definitely. us would you tell us last week <clears> uh or the last episode gotta be in the moment she was present. never able to be in the moment she was never able
1: to be present it right? was always having to live two steps ahead or that's what i mean just going by what i'm hearing you know you always kind of had to uh put on the, the big girl pants right. and you know an early age that means a lot of responsibility fell on your shoulders
3: and like when my dad did become an alcoholic my mother and my sisters and i we moved out i remember like in y- lower elementary school like Laying, I was the one laying out my clothes for school the next day. I was the one packing my lunch for the next day. not because my mom didn't want to do those things, but when when you get a divorce and you have three children, you have to work, work long nights, early mornings, things like that. like I remember I I did a lot of things for myself that not everybody had to do
1: Right, mm-hmm. And I mean not alone that the fact that you know your mom's probably going through a grieving process at that point. I mean the entirety of you all. We're probably having to go through that. So, I mean, you're having to be strong and, you know, you're living outside of your means right. as far as mentally at that point. Yeah, that's, that's a struggle in itself.
3: So, we talked about the first little chapter. And what you don't know about that first chapter is that the ending of it is my dad passing away in 2014. Mm. The addiction overcame him. He couldn't see past the next bottle or past the next pill he could put in his mouth and he ended up passing away of cirrhosis of the liver in 2014.
4: Mm.
3: I don't think my dad was a bad man just because he had an addiction. He was a great father up until the up until he wasn't, and I can't fault him for that as being somebody who has struggled with addiction myself. I didn't really see much of my dad during that stage. He was in and out of jail cells and rehabilitation facilities, but now we can kind of go into the next chapter. I just wanted to let you guys know how that one kind of ended. Yeah, because
0: that right there is super important. That's an influential <clears throat> part of the story. Yeah, that that does not get discounted. Like that 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 oh, part has cool. to be. I mean, that has to be told. That's right.
1: that's like you know, outside of trauma number one being the fact that your dad became an addict. Trauma number two, the divorce. Trauma number three, uh, was having to be grown in the middle of all this number four, you know, him passing away. Right. So, I mean, these these are... yeah, It's like back to back to back I mean, yeah, just like back-to-back-to-back almost. Yeah, and
2: that's the only part of the, the story that I actually actually heard you talk about a little bit earlier, and my, my initial question, which is what I wanted to ask earlier, but wanted to wait for the podcast, was, you know, just like I asked Drew about Drew's dad not being there, did that affect, you know, in turn affect in, uh, you in a way to where you started into an addiction? So, my question to you, Sydney, is... You know, dad passes away. Is is that the is that the beginning of like now I I need to find something to fill that void?
3: Absolutely. I think it had a great deal to do with the decisions I made moving forward. I I never really had that father figure in my life. Hmm. And seeing my dad do the things that he did, I guess kind of like planted a seed into my mind that those things exist in the world. Like there are those it is an option out there to abuse drugs and alcohol and things like that and for a long time after my dad passed away I was 12 years old and for a while I was like I'll never do that I'll never do that I can't believe somebody would do those things I can't believe somebody would abuse those substances and then I turned 14 years old and I had older friends and then it seemed cool so that's where (laughs) that started but um I still I was still a good kid in high school. I had all A's. I studied. I was a cheerleader. I was in the marching band along with being in just about every club you could think of, including Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You name it, I, I was <laughs> Yeah. You name it, I was in it. I was actually one of the leaders for the cheerleaders because you know, Fellowship of Christian Athletes goes to different sports and they have their own little groups and meetings and prayers and things. And I was actually picked by the pastor to be one of those leaders in that simply because I led such a leadership-style type life. Like, I was the person who seemed like you wanted to be in leadership. But
2: Real quick before we move on, can I ask, um, just in case we have any, like, uh, teenage listeners, I would really like for you to kind of expand on being that 14-year-old daughter who (laughs) thinks— My daughter's in the room, so my middle daughter's in the room. But I really want you to expand on on being that teenage girl. And I know we're in a different time and a place than we were back then. You know, I, I'm not saying you're old because I don't know how old you are, but I am. I'm 41. So
3: I'm 21.
2: Um, you're you're what? 21. 21. <laughs> yes. Oh Lord. Palmer said you're what? I just a baby. She is just a baby. I just a
3: baby. Wow.
2: <laughs> I told you
3: guys I had to grow up faster than I should have. For
2: real. Okay. So take me back to being a 14-year-old quote-unquote child and just kind of a just
1: real quick just kind of explain woman child. Get it right. A right. woman child.
2: <laughs> if a younger listener is listening, yeah. I really want them to know like hey, you're not alone. We th- we thought these things were cool I mean, too. Not just
1: that, but you got parents that don't that have kids that are Right. In a similar situation, that right. do not know how to address it. Right. You know, Especially
2: um, knowing now that she's 21. I mean, this wasn't very many years ago. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Little so, listening. like, right. Exactly. I've learned so, a
3: lot in my 21 years. I see.
2: No, I, I, I'm not down that at all. I'm just saying you have a better perspective now that I'm thinking about it. You have a better perspective of, of, this, generation. of this generation, what their mindset is at 14 years old, you know, <clears> wanting to uh, try drugs and alcohol. I'm assuming that's what we're talking about: trying drugs and alcohol.
3: Yes, so uh, or maybe
2: even sex. I don't know about that, but I'm just saying. Like, I'm just trying to, <laughs> just trying to. I want, I want. He's our, putting it
1: all, basically, lay it all out on the that's table. That's right. Yeah. I want our, like,
2: I want our younger generation to know. Like, there,
1: there's, I mean, there's no pink cloud when it comes to it because it's going to happen at some right? point. The right. way, the and not to interrupt, but I mean, the way the world's set up now. I mean, with these phones, these screens. I mean, I literally watch my, you know. Middle child, talk to somebody in California. They're playing the same video game together, like they're sitting in the same living room. Right. I mean, that's how close because everybody how we did is. It. We were sitting in the room. same living room. I mean, it's living. so easy to disperse these things, or to you know do- indoctrinate a mind, right. so to speak. You know, through kind of like you. You know, at fourteen, you're going around these older kids. You're being indoctrinated in drug use, but you were already there with your dad, right? You know, and and a little question I had to go with that but with Palmer kind of uh segue into that was um did you feel like you were closer to your dad with the drug use
2: or at least that you did you uh, you feel like you understood him more that better, it,
1: absolutely something kind of like that yeah. but I mean like all right so it's, I've, I've noticed in some of my friends who have people who've uh, overdosed or passed away that way they end up using the same drug trying to be closer to that person which is the craziest thing i've I've ever heard but i mean it's just a little bit of the insanity when it comes to addiction so
3: i think once i started doing those things in a way it did make me maybe not feel closer to him but more so understand where he was coming from so at 14 years old i was it was like a week shy of my 15th birthday i tried alcohol and marijuana for the first time this was also the stage we talked about drugs alcohol sex I was making bad decisions. Mm. But in that time period, it was still, it was like a little bit. This is not like where the turning point of my story is and where the turning point of turning into addiction comes. Like I said, I made sure I was at all the functions, all the school functions. I was a cheerleader, I was in the band. I, I had a very good reputation, but there were a couple things that did not line up with that perfect image that I had made of myself. And the parts of Sydney that didn't fall into line with everything else would be that that girl loves to party. And she, she quickly realized that um, another sorrow that she needed to drown with alcohol was the fact that she liked girls. That set me apart from everyone else. I felt like I had something to hide. I felt like nobody, nobody can know. Which people, I live in a small town. People found out before I was ready for them to find out, because I was still struggling with that in myself. Being somebody who knows what the Bible says, who knows how you're supposed to act, what you're supposed to do. It's a, it's a boy and a girl, and that is it. And that, that hurt me for a long time. I don't think that maybe the hurt from that led into. The addiction, I think the hurt of just wanting to fit in with everybody else so desperately played a part into the drinking and the smoking marijuana, which in high school I really didn't do much. It was mostly alcohol. Like I would go to a bonfire after the football games or I would go to a house party or something like that. But I always remember thinking in the back of my mind, And my mama told me this time and time again, and I never wanted to listen. Addiction is a gene. And you, if you have a parent that is an alcoholic, a drug abuser, some type of addictive personality, that is genetic. And I always told my mom, that's not going to be me. That'll never be me. I could never do that. I have my head screwed on straight. And at the time of being 14, I think I did. Other than the the few things that I was doing, the parties, the marijuana, the girls, things like that. I was doing things I wasn't supposed to, but I still had my sights set on what I wanted to be in this world, which is what got lost in the process of addiction once I started college. Um, for younger listeners, all I have to say is that it can happen to you. Even though you're thinking, I'm just going to go to this one party, I'm just going to smoke this one time, mm. I'm just gonna try this this one time maybe one more time after that. You say that until you fall into a hole and you don't know how to get out. Even though my addiction did not come as a young teenager I was still a teenager. At 19 and 20 years old I was still a young woman not knowing where to go in life or what decisions to make. You have the power to choose which way you're gonna go. Once you're in addiction you really don't have that choice anymore so I I ask you to tread lightly. Go easy with the things that you're so quickly willing to try because you think that it's cooler, because you think that you'll fit in more and hide the sins that you hold within yourself.
0: You know, you said something right there talking about with the, the addiction. It made me really think about... Uh, there's a quote that, uh, that I've heard, and I try to say as often as I can, but uh, I think it's on the lines of the chains of addiction are too light to be felt at first until they're too heavy to be broken
1: and, can't get and
0: out. that Absolutely. is in essence exactly what you were just saying you know you, you as a teenager you go and you, you think you're invincible and that you know it's not gonna hurt that one time and that second time well yeah it may not hurt that first or second time but that second time is definitely going to lead to that third time and then that third time is going to lead to that tenth time so yeah, good point. I, I, I like that. Oh, um, thank you. So before we before we make the
2: turn, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Let's pay the bills. Pay the bills. Keep the Paying lights on. The Keep the lights money.
4: on.
2: Let's take an ad break real quick because we are at that at that point, that pivotal point, where we're about to make the turn and truly here about this good time girl gone gone good good yeah. time good time girl gone good
3: you're about to get to chapter three by the way
2: yes chapter three so let's take a quick break <laughs> we'll be right back unashamed recovery podcast is heard around the world in over 42 countries including over 780 cities in all 50 states here in the united states People around the world are hearing the message of the hope of recovery from addiction, and that's because of listeners like you who donate, but also because of our sponsors. Local sponsors like Dees Automotive in Meridian, Mississippi, serving the East Central Mississippi and West Alabama areas for over 42 years. Dees is a name you can trust when it comes to your vehicle for all your complete car care needs and service and towing and and car locks that's d's automotive go by and see miss Jeannie, mike and the boys at 5024 poplar springs drive that's 5024 poplar springs drive in meridian or give them a call at 601-482-1800 that's 601-482-1800 and tell them that josh and drew sent you Unashamed Recovery is also sponsored internationally by Sober Life Love, a sober dating site made for the sober community. Are you tired of the dating scene revolving around alcohol and drugs? Do you want to find someone who shares your commitment to a sober lifestyle? Look no further than SoberLife.com. Dot .love The Sober Life Love platform is specifically designed for individuals who are sober and seeking a partner who shares in their same values. Whether you're in recovery, prefer not to drink, or simply choose to live a sober lifestyle, we provide a safe and supportive community for you to connect with like-minded individuals. With our advanced matching algorithms, you can find compatible partners who understand your journey and respect your choices. From sober activities to meaningful conversations, Our dating services offers a variety of ways to connect and build relationships. Soberlife.love is the new way to connect with people who understand and support your journey. Join today for free at www.soberlife.love. That's www.soberlife.love. Now back to your normally scheduled programming right here on Unashamed Recovery Podcast. And we're back, Sydney. I'm so excited for this next chapter. I'm so excited to truly dig into uh, what happens next. I mean, like, like we said, as as we were going to break, uh, children, if you're listening, that that first sip, that first party, that first uh, hit of marijuana, that first try of any any kind of drug, that can be the beginning. Uh, for some people it's not, but for you it might be. So I would say, not I think being Sydney present. would say, is uh, don't do drugs, kids.
1: Not being
0: present.
2: Yeah, and be present. Be Not present. dealing with the
0: traumas either. So before we went to that commercial break, we were promised chapter three is around the corner. Yes. So... I Does think this really is the first time that we've actually stuck with chapters <laughs> as we've gone through. <laughs> this is through true. The I like, this. yeah, because most of
1: the time we just we, we breeze through. Well, I say breeze through. it. Yeah, then. we just go ahead and give the whole story. Like, yeah, we don't
2: break it down like this is chapter one, chapter like we are writing a book today. Well, on
3: my computer, it's not in chapters, but we're working our way through that.
2: <laughs> I, I think this y'all check that. out Sydney's biography on
1: Amazon.com.
3: Oh, I could. It'll be on or. my Amazon storefront
1: or you can get it at unashamed.com unashamedrecovery.com
0: excuse me i'm sorry so chapter 3 so take us through it so so we we've, we've gotten through the 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 high school years i'm assuming we've gotten into early adulthood you're discovering things about yourself you're i'm assuming you're you're deeper into this addiction so so chapter 3 uh, we're on the edge of our seats. Palmer can barely contain himself.
2: I can. I'm. I'm excited.
3: So chapter two ends with me graduating high school. Yay. Not. Com- yes. During COVID, had a drive-through graduation. Oh, that sucks. Yeah.
2: All right. So we've we've ended ended high school. Uh, obviously, we're already kind of into uh, pills and alcohol and girls, right?
3: Something like that. It was more so the the addiction did not start until. The chapter that I'm about to start. Yes, I drank maybe once every two weeks or something like that. I wasn't a heavy drinker, but I didn't know my limits at the time, if that makes sense. Like, if I was going to go to a party, I was going to walk out stumbling. Something like that. And it was more so alcohol than marijuana. But I I kept it under wraps during high school. I could tell that there was something wanting to start brewing, but it didn't quite start bubbling up yet. But... What Chapter? if I tell
1: you it was already ready to snow? It was already snowballing. You just didn't realize it yet.
3: That could be true.
1: definitely feels that
2: way. I mean, she yeah. she admits that some of this started at 14. So, yeah. like, we're, right. we're, I mean, whether she knows it or not, we're, we're already I mean, already my first, there.
1: first party was 12, yeah. and then henceforth the nickname I got. But, you know, we're not going to get into that right now. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, you know, I thought then I had it under wraps. You know, oh, it's just this one time. But then right. all of a sudden, you know, it's... I think snowballed it just continued and got bigger and then it became more noticeable because I couldn't control it you know so that's that's what I was saying it was that was the beginning right yeah I think I I think that's just maybe that's
2: just when you realize it was starting
3: that could be (laughs) but (laughs) I I definitely understand what you're trying to say like it could have and in this moment I realized that now that it really was something was beginning I just Maybe I didn't know it, or maybe I didn't want to know it.
1: Most of the time, we play, we place a blind eye to it, you know. Oh, right. I'm fine. I, Everybody I else does fine. it. Everybody does it, you yep. know. But my dad used to fuss at me for uh, like hours on end. What can I do to get you to stop? You know, and it was just one of those things because it was just okay. You can fuss all day. I'm still gonna go do it, you know, right. because I thought I was I thought I was fitting in. I thought I was having exactly. fun, but lo and behold, he saw an issue. Before I could ever see it. Right. so
3: And my story was the same way. My mom would be like. She wouldn't say this with venom. But she would say it frequently. You're going to turn out like your daddy.
4: Mm.
3: Not in a malicious way. Right. She just wanted to put it into perspective. That I do have that gene. That I was already snowballing. And couldn't even see it. And. When I would get in trouble for things like that. I wouldn't. She would think I was slowing down, but I was really just getting better at hiding it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do that, especially with addiction. And I did that a lot in in this chapter three that we're starting on now. So my first semester of college was pretty much what you expect for somebody starting out college. My grades were terrible since I was too worried about the next party I could go to and with which girl I was going to spend my time with. Um in this the beginning of this chapter i I did i partied a lot there was a party house at the college there were different apartments that we would go to things like that and i've even been known for drinking in dorm rooms so i started my first semester and by second semester i had ended up in a very toxic relationship that took my partying to an all-time high and my self-respect to an all-time low I made some bad decisions at the time, but this still is not the turning point of my story. After this little year that I took to party at the college apartments and things like that, I actually did kind of get my life together. I decided to get serious about school and start applying myself more because, I mean, I knew how to do that. That's what I did in high school. This lasted for a while until I started living on my own after the toxic relationship ended so now we're kind of in spring of 2022 era this is when i tried um cocaine for the first time this really is the turning point it began as an occasional thing but then it went from being for special occasions like midterms and finals week and later it became a vital part of my spring break and every and an everyday thing in the summer I worked long hours at a local rooftop bar and used the cocaine and marijuana to cope with the sleep deprivation and aid the broken heart that I had brought upon myself. Man. I really thought that I was living the time of my life. I was having fun. I thought I was the prettiest thing on this earth. I I was on top of the world. I thought this was this is what everybody lives for. This is the time in your life that you always want to be in.
2: This is college.
3: This is, this is college. This is being 19, 20 years old And then the drugs stopped being for special occasions, and it was more for wake-ups and midday pick-me-ups, and I even used drugs to help me sleep at night if I even got in the bed at all.
0: So, at this point, were you still getting anything from the drugs, or had it now become kind of work to kind of just you're just kind of just going through it just to be going through it because you had to do it well it kind
3: of in this point in time it kind of went back and forth like at first it would just it was kind of like to get through like the work shift or something like that but then I would do it for fun when I got home and I was hanging out with my friends Mm. really can't tell you many times that I went to work at that place that I was working sober I either had done cocaine in the bathroom or had a drink on the way there or had a vape, a weed vape of some sort in my pocket. Like, And I, they
0: got those now?
3: Yeah, they do. I <laughs> yeah. almost now, didn't say that. Now, she's talking 22. 20, 20,
2: 2022.
0: That was last year.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, I'm 14 months sober. Don't dock
0: it.
1: I'm, we're I mean, not. It's, Josh, he's the, he, he not doesn't now. realize, like, this is... How recent this was, but
0: right. no, no, I'm saying like, I'm, what, what I'm getting at, is I did not know that a weed vape was a thing. Like I'm saying, like, they they got that now. Oh, like, absolutely! I they almost got didn't carts, say that. edibles, all that kind like, of stuff that, out there. That, that it's, blows it's,
1: my mind. I didn't know the that the market for you know marijuana, THC, CBD, mm-hmm. and all that has expanded so yes. largely. Not that they legalized it in certain areas. I mean, it's it's outrageous. Yes, yeah.
2: ladies and gentlemen, Josh is old.
1: Yes.
3: Well, I also thought about not saying that because I'm trying to be a good influence for the younger ones listening.
1: That is, I mean, I didn't
3: want to tell them that it exists if they don't already know. Well,
1: they they probably know. They probably do. Definitely. My 15 year old is sitting over there right now. now, I mean, that's, to me, that's, you know, being proactive, I guess. Right. So
3: I was constantly doing something like that, but I really had not set into. In the early parts of this, in the spring, had not set in yet. It was more of the summertime when the addiction hit me the hardest. When it was for morning time wake-me-ups and afternoon pick-me-ups and things like that.
1: So it stopped being a party favor and became a lifestyle. It did. Mm.
3: Um, The thing is, I struggle heavily with mental illness. I've been diagnosed with multiple different things. I've got bipolar disorder type two, PTSD, depression, anxiety, and everything that goes along with that. A bad temper, anger that lives inside of me, things like that. And at this point in time, I thought it was a good idea to go off my medications and self-medicate with the drugs instead. That That is what set this all off.
1: Guilty as charged. I thought
3: these make me feel better than the medicine. These are faster acting than the medicine. I'm normal. I don't need the medicine. I can just do this instead. Those were thoughts that I had as I was going through that phase. But you know, if you have any, you struggle with any mental illness, going off your medications is a big deal. My, me going off of mine sent me into a manic episode, and that is where this drug use picked itself up was when I stopped taking my psychiatric medications.
2: So, Sydney, I know you just said that that, uh, you struggle with mental illness. I I, I was just curious, and you don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I'm just curious, would you like to tell our listeners what kind of mental illness and what kind of psychiatric uh, diagnosis you had uh, to kind of give them a better picture of what you're going through?
3: I I said a few minutes ago that um, I have bipolar disorder type 2, which is my primary diagnosis that comes with very extreme mood changes, very extreme manic episodes, very extreme depressive episodes. And I think having this disorder and going off the medications was what sent me into a spiral of a manic episode. Mm. I also have things like depression and anxiety, but I've struggled with those for years before I ever knew that I was bipolar. Um, And I do encourage anyone that feels like they might have a mental illness or knows has a diagnosis of a mental illness find somebody that you can talk to i see a psychiatric nurse practitioner just about every six weeks um i'm about to stop going as much just because we're getting everything settled my meds together what levels need to be what what dosage and things like that but go go get it figured out because it'll help you so much in the long run. Before you, Go before you get to that point of you feel like you need to medicate with drugs instead. Seek out help rather than trying to do it on your own because it's a very, very hard thing to do to handle mental illness, especially dual or triple diagnoses. It's hard. Somehow I did it. I didn't do it the right way, but somehow I did make it through that patch I was like I said I was in a manic episode which I don't think a lot of people completely understand when you are truly in a manic episode you feel like you are on top of the world you can do anything you're invincible you're the best person that has ever walked this earth nothing can stop you which is why you do a little bit more next time And then a little bit more next time because nothing can stop you. So you want to feel the best that you can. So if I did this much yesterday, I might want to do a little bit more today so that I feel better than I did yesterday.
4: Mm.
3: And that—that's really what happened to me. Was if—if this can make me feel this way, what about this? Or what if I mix this with this? How about I wonder how that'll make me feel? When really and truly, all I needed was to go to the doctor and get everything figured out
2: i like bringing that up i know, I know that we are um we're faith-based you know <clears> so obviously we we all agree that we lay everything that we have at the feet of jesus um, but i just want people to know like god created very smart people to come up with medicines that can help you and so i i don't want anybody to ever think that um at least us three hosts, or this organization, the Undershaped Recovery Podcast, um, ever want to um, make anybody feel like it's not okay mm-hmm. to go seek help? Right. That 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 okay. <clears throat> all we want you to do is go to church. I and mean, pray openly, about it. I
1: go see and talk to a psychologist. I mean, yeah, I, I have to get it out. I have right. to put it out on the table. I mean, there's prayer, of yeah. course, um, but you know. Sometimes you want to hear some feedback on how mm-hmm. you feel about some things and so and when you're laying it out there somebody can say okay well you're feeling like this because you're missing this right you know of course God's the cure all right but there's some things on this earth that we physically and mentally just can't deal right and you know, he, deal with.
2: we all agree that he does miracles
1: <clears throat> absolutely
2: but he also yeah. does he also uses my, my pastor likes to tell people like look he created these smart people that became doctors that can give you the type of medication that you might need, you know, so don't just think that, that God, don't just sit there and wait for God to give you that ultimate miracle. When you may have a doctor saying, Hey, I can help you. And so I just, I, I want to throw that out. I don't want yeah. anybody to think that we, we don't think that.
0: Yeah. We, you know, We've I've said time and time again on the show that uh, it's okay to have Jesus and a therapist. Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah, Jesus and, and 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 the correct medication is what I'm right. trying to get to. Because yes. Sydney yes. is saying that she's she's taking yeah. medication but that, but the it, right it, way now. Yeah, that's
0: Absolutely. what I'm saying. Like yeah, it's it's perfectly okay to have Jesus in your corner, but then also seek a therapist or a nurse practitioner, psychologist, or you know other means. But but it's okay to. So many Christians think that it's, it's blasphemy for me to to believe in Jesus, but then go elsewhere. Right.
3: And on the other she's side of that. Throw you. <laughs> I truly believe that God, and I think more so in my own story and my own case of things, that God gives us these, I don't want to say disabilities, but these. these Thorns in your side? Something like that.
2: That's what Paul called it, so I'm just (laughs) throwing it out there. Right. He gives us these thorns, these these issues.
3: So that somewhere down the road, you can help someone. Mm. And it, honestly, in some ways, it makes you a better person for it. I was telling Josh earlier today that if I talk about my mental illness on this podcast tonight and it helps some one person that is listening, then to me, that's worth it. That's exactly and right. I mean, I have to deal with my mental illness every single day and I don't help someone every single day. But if throughout my journey, my Celebrate Recovery journey, I can help five people in all the years that I'll be here, that's enough. That's enough reason for me to keep going, to keep pushing, to take my medications like I'm supposed to. I truly believe that God has given me this and called me to help other people that might feel this way.
4: Amen.
0: Re- recycling the the pain of our past to, to help others in our future.
3: Absolutely.
2: 12th, so. 12th step. I'm here because somebody else did the 12th step. <laughs> Some, right. Somebody really smart said that one time.
0: <laughs> I wasn't calling so. smart. <laughs> <laughs> so so, so so. I know, but we have so much more to continue on with your story. So go ahead and take us to what was there a rock bottom experience in your story?
3: That's what's coming next.
0: Oh boy, this is this is my. I, I love felt like I was falling.
2: I did in this story. I felt like I was falling, so I knew rock bottom was coming. Gotcha. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I mentioned a few minutes ago that I do have anxiety, and I was off of my medication. So at this point in time, I had convinced myself that I was not safe in my own home. I told you guys I lived on my own after the toxic relationship had ended and everything. I would even spend, which keep in mind I was doing cocaine at this time. So it was, it will heighten your anxiety times 10, if not 100. Um, so I would even spend countless hours on my bathroom floor after I got home from work. Just waiting for the sun to come up so that I could see if somebody was coming to get me out of the dark. I would, when I would get home at night, I would sit in my car for about 30 minutes with the windows cracked to listen in case somebody was going to come out of the woods and come get me.
4: Mm.
3: That sounds outrageous, I know. But I worked in downtown Meridian. My car had been broken into. And, you know, people do all kinds of crazy things, so I was always worried that somebody followed me home or put a tracker on my car, just these Irrational thoughts that raced through my head. and
0: I mean, it is Meridian, so I mean... It, it but I actually, mean, it's her over-heightened it, sense it actually she was looking for. It all could have yeah. actually been very much <laughs> true, because it is Meridian. Right. Yeah. I was
2: thinking maybe she listens to too many true crime podcasts. Okay, <laughs> now
3: I do that, but that had nothing to do with it.
4: <laughs> no. But... Oh, it, it,
3: I know it sounds crazy, but I was genuinely scared of my own shadow and didn't even trust the deadbolt on my door. I thought somebody was coming to get me if the sun wasn't out. And at this point in time, things started to unravel. We're getting close to the bottom. It was like one bad thing after another. Um, The toxic ex had reappeared in my life unexpectedly. I lost my first childhood pet. My best friend and I were on the outs. I barely spoke to my mother. My car got broken into. And I got hit with a pop-up drug test at an orientation for nursing school, which I forgot to mention that earlier in the summer, I had gotten accepted into the nursing program at my local community college. But at this point, I could not see my life getting much worse, and I could not understand for the life of me why God was giving me such a hard time so, that was the way I was thinking. So, I turned to the only thing that made me feel okay, which were the drugs and the alcohol. At this point in life, I was under the influence 24 hours out of the day, 7 days a week. I felt so alone, and only I knew how bad the drug abuse had got. But then, on June 5th, 2022, I had what you would call the basic mental breakdown. I acted out in a way that I never had before. I destroyed the inside of my home by throwing things in a blaze of fury. I told my mother that I would rather die than feel the way that I was feeling. And on this night, I was physically abused by my best friend's husband. I had the worst bruises and cuts that I've ever had in my entire life. And then this breakdown, these actions, everything, all landed me at Alliance Health Center in Meridian, Mississippi. The thing is, when I hit the ground that night, God came to me. At a time where I felt like I had no one on my side, God sat down with me in the dirt and let me know that I, in fact, was not alone. Even though for months I had wondered if there even was a God, He still showed up for me. I had been awake for probably three or four days at this point when when I hit the bottom, so some serious delirium had set in, but it was in that moment that I knew I needed help. I could feel God telling me to do better. Go get help. You are so much more than this. So, I did exactly what I needed to do. I asked for help, which in turn was how I ended up in Alliance. I stayed there on a psychiatric floor and got um, all the drugs out of my system and got the help I needed. I slept for the first time in days, and I ate for probably the first time in a week. When I checked into the facility, I weighed the lower part of about 110 pounds. That that was a bad part. That was a bad part.
2: I got a leg that weighs hundred and ten pounds.
3: <laughs> but when you do the substance I was doing you're not hungry. You're just you're on the go. You yeah. you don't think about it. You don't need that. You don't need food. You don't need water. You don't need sleep. You just need to know what the next thing you're gonna do is Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I, yeah. I think I, I was so generally I normally weigh like two thirty. Yeah. I, mean, I was one seventy going in the rehab. Yeah. One hundred and seventy pounds. Yeah. Or like a stick. I did too. Like if the wind blew too, hard. <laughs> if the bl- wind blew
3: too head. hard, I'd probably have fallen over. <laughs> so, I got out of the facility. And I told myself that it was time to get it together. I attended North Park Church here in Meridian, Mississippi that following Sunday. And from that point forward, I began holding myself accountable and got my eyes set on recovery. I had a meeting with Pastor Jim the next week, and he told me about this group called Celebrate Recovery, which in reality was the saving grace that God knew that I needed. I went for the first time on July 4th, 2022, and I've been just about every Monday since. And we need to talk about the recovery process for just a minute. What it feels like in those first few weeks, first few months. You see, the thing about recovery is that you can't do it alone, which is why we find groups like this and we need sponsors. This group has shown me support and love since day one, and there is no way I would be where I am without it. I am now successfully in nursing school after God graced me with a makeup drug test. I didn't fail it it was inconclusive but god did that right that right. wasn't me god did that i'm still in nursing school i start my second semester next month i have my third semester next month my second year i have one more year and then i'll be done
0: man that's awesome
3: it is and man. god graced me with that drug test so that i would be allowed in the program because as i stated earlier i had had that pop-up drug test in the midst of a drug addiction and God has taken me by the hand and been with me every single step of the way since I started this recovery journey in early June 2022. And I'm now almost 14 months sober. Whoop. Yes. Didn't Sarah know.
4: <laughs> we were
3: the same
1: thing.
3: Yes, Bonk let's celebrate because <laughs> at one point I never thought I would make it this far. At the beginning of my recovery journey, I was like, there's no way. I would see people get up and get their chips on Monday nights. I'm like, there's no way I could make it that long. How do they do it? How did they get from where I am to where they are now? But I kept going to Celebrate Recovery, and I will never be able to express the tremendous gratitude for God's compassion and the support from North Park Celebrate Recovery. I'm nowhere near the end of my story because nobody ever really is. Recovery is something you have to do every single day for the rest of your life, but I know for a fact that God sat down with me in the midst of my storm that night And to everybody listening, He will do the same thing for you every single time. God's love is not disposable and is always within reach when you feel like you're alone. Allowing God's grace and mercy to fill your life and learning to forgive yourself is a vital part of recovery. Recovering is painful and it's hard to do and... In all honesty, recovering might possibly be one of the hardest and most hurtful things you ever have to do in your whole life. Because of that, you can't do it on your own. But you also can't expect God to do all the heavy lifting. I thank God every single day that I don't have to do this on my own like I thought I would for so long. It's so easy to get caught up in those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And it's also easy to blame others for the decisions that we wish we wouldn't have made.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Denial yeah. is an addict's best friend yep Ooh,
0: that's <clears> a mouthful <throat> there ain't it
3: we we constantly want to deny our part in how things worked out because how could i have done something like that that's not me but don't get me wrong other people and unforeseen circumstances can influence our decisions but don't let that be your only reasoning behind the bad decisions that you have made and at the end of the day we must realize that it we are who got ourselves into these situations acceptance itself plays a huge role in recovery too you must look at your situation and your story and evaluate what you need to do and what god is already doing for your recovery he doesn't care where you've been or where you are right now he just wants you to come home and always remember that if you're not working on your recovery you're working on a relapse that's
4: right
2: ain't I've no, heard that a few times
0: on this podcast ain't no standing still in recovery <laughs> I tell you what I tell you what
3: um Josh mentioned earlier that we were going to be reading a passage out of Psalms 147.
0: yes and it, everybody been waiting on it I was looking I got your though. Bibles out and, you're and ready
3: to highlight.
0: They done put that Bible down by now. Like It, it got heavy. Well, <laughs> they, I pick it back they, up. <laughs> didn't it was it on a app, but it got real heavy real quick.
3: <laughs> All right, well, pick your Bibles yeah. back up and get you a highlighter. It's Psalm 147, 3 through 5. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits.
0: And that right there will also be in the show notes. So if you don't have your Bible handy and you just want to scroll on the, the the app that you're listening, you can scroll down pretty long in the in the show notes. We we got that for you. We, we we got your recovery fam. Yeah, we
2: we know y'all are driving right now listening to this. So
3: we I said just a few moments ago that he doesn't care where you've been. He just wants you to come home. He doesn't care where you're at right now. He just he's gonna come after you. He's gonna lead the ninety nine for that one. His understanding has no limits. God understands that we fall, we sin, we make decisions, and sometimes we get ourselves in a pit that we can't get out of. But He is understanding, and He, as long as you come back to Him and you find your faith and realize that God is what's going to get you through it, He's going to forgive you. You can make the worst decisions that you think anybody could ever possibly make in their whole lives. I'm not on here to throw out all of my dirty laundry and say all the bad things I did. But just know that I've made some very regrettable decisions and made some very questionable choices. But I know in my heart that I'm forgiven for those things because I started that recovery journey. I took that first step. I got the help I needed. And you can do the same thing no matter how hard it may feel and no matter how alone you may feel. God's got this. And so do you. Ma'am. Thank y'all for letting me share.
2: <laughs> Can okay. I interject two things here? I want to, fo- I, I want people to understand that, A, you have to want to change. Yes. Yep. Yes, you do. You have to want to change. You have to walk through those doors of a Celebrate Recovery, or you have to... Or AA. Or AA, or whatever the case may whatever be. Whatever you, your meeting may what, be. Whatever it is, yeah. you have to want to change
1: to change. And B... The need to change th- has to be greater than the need to stay the same. Right. And, and I will
3: say, I said something about... It being genetic, the addiction that I got from my dad. At the end of the day, I understand now. He did not have the desire to change. Right, right. And that's the difference between me and him. I wanted to change. I wanted to do better, and that's what I'm doing. And that's why I'm not, in the end, going to be like him.
2: Right, and also B, when we say God wants you to just come home, I don't want anybody to think that that's a long journey, because honestly. I've said this on stage when, when quote, unquote, preaching or whatever. No matter how far away you get from God to get back to him, all you have to do is
0: turn around. And yeah. he's right Absolutely. there behind yep. you. And I want to address this, too. Waiting to embrace you. That,
1: so I mean, many people, open arms.
0: so many people, and myself including this, think that you have to clean yourself off before you go back to God. And that was a thing, a lie that the enemy has sold me on is and that's why I stayed in my relapse for so long is because I thought that I was unworthy to go back to God and that I, was, I could not pray because I, the things that I'd done made me unworthy. And I, I feel like I had to, to clean myself off before I could go, you know, go home. Right. And, you know, hey, if that's the case, just, just imagine if you had a, a car accident, and you broke your arm. I was about to say the same thing. And you were going to thing, to bandage you. up and fix your reset the bone and do all that before you took yourself to the doctor, who's going to do that anyway?
2: Right. Yeah. I was. I was just thinking. Like I said on a, on a TikTok, which I stole from somebody else on TikTok, <laughs> but it, it was it's true. You don't have to uh, get well to go see a doctor. You don't have to. Um, Take you don't have to clean yourself off to go take a shower, you don't have to get in shape to go to the gym, and you don't have to clean yourself up to get uh, to go to Jesus. No. It's just that simple. That's right. Like too too many of us get caught up in the fact that like you were saying we we feel like we need to fix it first and then we'll go to God. No, you ain't got to fix anything first. In fact, I heard a preacher say on TikTok as well that like somebody asked him can can I be a Christian and still smoke marijuana? Yes, you can. Because you don't have to stop smoking marijuana to become a Christian or doing your sin, whatever your sin is. You don't have to stop that to become a Christian. Once you become a Christian and start having a relationship with God, anything that God tells you he doesn't want you to be doing, you'll know that then. And then you'll want your desires will change to his desires. And
3: that is something I've experienced myself. i let you guys know that early on I had realized that I, had the same sex attraction and since i have been in church and in celebrate recovery god has really changed my heart on that and Mm i i never thought that that was possible now i'm saying i'm not saying i'm fully recovered from that or i don't still have tendencies and things like that but my heart has definitely changed throughout this journey Mm -hmm. on things like that
2: yeah somebody told me once uh, about homosexuality somebody told me told me once like it's not the desire because that's your flesh talking, it's not the desire that's that's really the sin, it's the acting on the desire
3: absolutely right you know There's what I mean difference. like we
2: can't we can't really help because of our flesh sometimes we really can't help what we're attracted to or what we want to do it's the sin becomes when you actually take part in right. that attraction right. or take part in that desire to do the drugs or the alcohol or the the sex you know, or the same sex or, or whatever the case may be. It's that act of sinning. It's not the, it's, it's not necessarily the, the, fruit, the supposedly. And, yeah, I mean,
1: Cause you, you kind of like being in the garden and eating, they saw the fruit, but they weren't supposed to eat. Right. It, and they right? could have, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And they knew they weren't supposed to eat it. And but so like
1: the desire, the yeah. carnal desire, if they would have just to
2: eat, if they would have <laughs> just desired it though, you know, just been like, man, I really want that fruit man. or really That's yeah. that wouldn't
1: have, you that know, wouldn't sin, sin, it, right. That wouldn't yeah. have created the sin. Right. It was the act. It's of, the act of doing
0: it. Well, that Sydney is uh, Not only your story is a testament, but that too. That just shows the the power and, yeah. of transformation through through Christ. Because that right there, that in itself, like if you hadn't even told nothing else, and you had just told me that, that right there is huge. I mean, because I mean. So many people today, they're still stuck in that, right? And so,
3: and that's what I'm trying not to be—is stuck in that. Like I said, I do still have the desire and things like that, but I'm I'm trying my best not to have the, the action, and I'm doing well thus far.
1: Well, uh, it happens in moments. Changes happen. You know, they. Everybody wants that magic wand, microwave effect. I mean, it's in moments. You know you if you can perfect work. one moment, then you've won that day or right. that moment right. over, and so it's twenty four hours a
2: time,
0: yeah, and you know I mean, here I am next month I'm gonna hit six years, and i you look great for six years, <laughs> and i His still arms are still short. every single day I still fight <laughs> that battle with my addiction to uh pornography and sex addiction, like so I mean it's not something that me too. is going to be you know done overnight like it's I mean you can still be years down the road in this journey and still be struggling that's perfectly normal
2: I won't I won't say who who told or what conversation or who I had the conversation with but I was having a conversation with somebody who their sister had basically come to them and said you know I really want to go into this program but it's going to take a year and I was like that's the wrong kind of thinking right off the bat it's not going to take a year it's going to take the rest of your life Yep. It's 24 twenty four hours at a time every day for the rest of our lives. We're giving every day. I, t- I tell people when I quote unquote preach, you know, when I'm up on stage, uh, I tell people all the time, my goal, my plan every morning is to give my life to God and give it all. And yeah, I'm going to fall short just like everybody else. But it's the same with recovery like when you wake up every morning you give your life to Christ you die to yourself right then and there but you're also dying to that that addiction as well you know you're giving up that recovery you're saying today i'm giving up this i'm giving up this addiction today That's right. And for 24 hours for the rest of your life. It's not a one-year program. It's not a six-year program. It's not a 14-month program. It's an everyday program. That's not just recovery. That's being a Christian. Yep,
3: You're right about that. And that's why in the serenity prayer, we say taking one moment at a time. Right. One day at a time. It's literally in the prayer that we have created for this group of people.
4: Right. Yep. Living
3: one day at a time, one moment at a time. Accepting path- hardships as a pathway to peace. There we
4: go. <laughs>
3: Struggled on my own bed. Kind of flipped around.
2: And so- just remember, you know, if you, let's say you fall flat on your face, you know, for that one moment. That doesn't ruin the whole 24 hours. Nope. You know, you can still turn right back around and be like, okay, I just, I just messed up. Right. Like- but I'm, here we go again. Here we go again. Every day is a new day. The Bible tells us. Every every day, new, uh, the new new blessings are or yeah. mercy. Yeah, every day is a new blessing. Like our 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 day starts, our life starts. New. Yeah, our life, life starts over every day.
1: Yeah,
3: and like in Psalm one forty seven, it said, verse five, His understanding. If we do fall down tomorrow, all we've got to do is get back up and do better and Mm -hmm. try harder and talk to God you know people really think that sometimes you just kind of ask God for the things you need you thank him for the things you've got and that's all your prayer should be but talk to God like he's your best friend sitting beside you Be like God I understand that I shouldn't have done that I'm Mm -hmm. not quite sure why I did do that but I pray that you would change my heart so that I won't do that again yeah and so those are. That's just a small step you can take when you do fall down, and you need to get back up and kind of dust your knees off and get back on the path that you were going on. That's
2: right. I know it's kind of off topic, but I, I want to say that since you brought up talking to God, like He's our, you know, like He's sitting right here with us because He is. But if I'm sitting here and I'm t- and I'm talking to Josh and I'm talking to Drew, I'm talking to Sydney, uh, and I have an issue with them, I know that I can tell them, and I want y'all to know god god is so big that he's okay with you being upset yep he's okay with you yelling and screaming at him um he probably would prefer we didn't curse at him but he's okay like he can take it he's big enough to take it and so when you're in those rut moments or or you've screwed up or or you feel like life's you know kicking you while you're down I just want you to know that that you can express your frustration to God. God wants you to speak truthfully to him. He already knows what's in your heart. He already knows how you feel. But he wants you to be 100% truthful with him and talk to him like he's your friend just sitting right there. If you have a problem, bring it to him. He's big enough to take it.
3: And a little tip. He already knows. Right. He already (laughs) knows what you did. He already knows what you're thinking about what you're going to do. He already knows. So, he's
1: not mad. You've
3: already
0: been given grace.
3: He just wants you to come back to him and stop
1: hiding
0: in the cave. Absolutely. (laughs) That's right. Well, Sydney, it has been an absolute pleasure. Pleasure having you on the show. Like, man, I I know we could sit here for another hour and we could still probably go deeper in this. Uh, But. That's all the time that we have for this episode. But I do want to give you one more moment uh, because you have been so kind to share your story. If there is somebody out there listening right now who may be in the same spot that you were once in, I want to give you just a moment uh, to, to share with them something that you needed to hear when you were in that spot.
3: There was a time during my addiction phase that I genuinely wondered, is God real? And I felt that way for probably a couple months. And I understand now that the reason I felt that way was because I didn't, I didn't want what I was doing to be wrong. I wanted it to be okay to do those things, but you know it's not in God's word and in the way he sees things. So I just pretended like he wasn't there. Realizing God was there the whole time, and turning to Him is the one thing that saved me. Yes, I went to the doctor, I got help, I got the medicine, I went in recovery. But God did that. Don't ever question if your story is too painful or too dirty or too ugly, because He's going to be there no matter what. Mm -hmm. I've made terrible decisions. I've done terrible things, and I know that you have too, but I promise yours probably aren't worse than any of mine. And God was still there for me. As soon as I called on him, and maybe even a moment before I did that, he sat down with me and he was like, okay, it's it's time to do better. So if you're feeling like maybe there is no hope for you, or that God isn't listening, or that God doesn't care, Maybe you should try listening instead of trying to do all the talking. You listen because God is calling you. He has listening to this podcast means he's already started working in you. Listening to this story and identifying with it, he is already working in you. You've got to let go of those chains that are so heavy. You've got to let him break those. You have to be open-minded and open-hearted and stop shutting yourself off to the possibility that you could be loved unconditionally.
2: You are beautiful, you are loved, and you are enough. That's right. That's right. Man.
0: Well, Sydney, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on and sharing. Thank you for uh, having. I hope that uh, that somebody out there has heard this and they have found it helpful and encouraging and i hope what they have heard has inspired them to take that next step and if you're listening and you're still in that darkness of addiction we hope that today's testimony will be that lighthouse guiding you out of that pit and into the hope of sobriety and recovery
1: want more recovery content visit our brand new website UnashamedRecovery.com for more recovery content as well as our new sobriety and recovery themed blogs to take you deeper into your sobriety and recovery journeys. And that's where you'll also find all the links to our social media. There you can even donate to the show and help us reach more people still lost in the darkness of addiction.
2: Also, check out more amazing recovery podcasts over at Take 12 Recovery Radio Recovery Podcast Network. That link is in the show notes as well as under our partners page on the new website. That's all for this episode. Remember to stay sober. And above all else, keep
1: 12-stepping as you stay unashamed. We love you all. Love you guys. Bye.